Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Before Judaism became monotheistic, Yahweh had a wife. She was also a god, a goddess. Her name was Asherah. She was powerful and nurturing. The ancient Israelites worshipped both Yahweh and Asherah in the same sacred temple in Jerusalem as a divine pair, God and goddess, father and mother. Asherah's sacred symbol was the tree. There are many connections between her and the tree of life. A sacred grove grew outside the temple, and in the 7th century BCE, King Manasseh of Judah even placed an Asherah tree inside the holy temple, signifying how central she was to worship. Last year, when the Dead Sea Scrolls came to Boston, I was so excited to go see the exhibit at the Museum of Science. There, I saw a hundred of these goddess figurines on the wall made out of red clay. I learned that archeologists have uncovered 2,000 goddess figurines commonly used in household worship in ancient Israel. Imagery and inscriptions on pottery from the same period also invoke Yahweh and Asherah. A few traces of her even remain in the Hebrew Bible in reference to Yahweh and his Asherah and the queen of heaven. But hardly anyone has heard of her today. So what happened? When King Manasseh's grandson, Josiah, took the throne, he destroyed the statues of Asherah at the temple and cut down her sacred groves. Judaism became monotheistic, followed by Christianity, worshiping the divine only in male form. Asherah was then removed and obscured by a long line of Jewish and Christian men who compiled and translated the Bible. For example, Asherah was often translated as simply a tree or an idol, with there, never, with there being no mention of there ever having been a goddess at all. Imagine 2,000 goddess figurines shattered. As feminist scholar Lucinda Peach pointed out, in Protestantism, which banned representations of the saints, women have been left with no female representations of the divine to balance against the male trinity of God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Today, we live in a world in which masculine values, such as money, individualism, and achievement, are worshiped, admired, and celebrated. Meanwhile, feminine values, such as teaching, collectivism, compassion, are all too often devalued, disdained, degraded. 
On top of that, what it means to be a man is often defined in opposition to what it means to be a woman. Misogyny bleeds into homophobia, leading to fear and disgust for feminine qualities in both men and women. Men suffer because they are encouraged to devalue women and children and things that make them seem weaker. Patriarchy has had a devastating effect on human relationships and the earth. Society glorifies war over peace, wealth over the environment. Women and men alike have suffered the horrors of male-driven wars in Iraq, Afghanistan, and many other parts of the world. Gaia, Mother Earth, has been devalued, exploited, and abused the way women have been devalued, exploited, and abused. In the pursuit of profit, sacred mountains and sacred groves have been destroyed. The ocean and the ozone have been polluted to the peril of us all. With all the stories of domestic violence in the news about the NFL, I wonder, would these men be hurting women if they were raised with an image of God as a woman? Kim tells me that Phyllis Richter says, if you're a woman looking for a man, find a man who loves his mother. The world is so out of balance from patriarchy, how might we help bring it back from the brink by turning to the feminine face of God? Today is a day of hope. It is the International Day of Peace and the People's Climate March in New York. With this in mind, let us take time to reflect on the role of the sacred feminine in our lives and in the world. What would it look like to reconstitute 2,000 shattered goddess figurines? I imagine us invoking the power of the feminine divine to love and honor all aspects of ourselves and to love each other into greater wholeness. Such power can change human relationships and our relationship with the earth. The world was once alive with goddesses and worship of the feminine divine. What would it mean to call some of them back into this space today? From Greece, Artemis, the hunter, Athena, goddess of wisdom, Aphrodite, the goddess of beauty. From Egypt, Hathor, goddess of love and laughter, Newt, goddess of the stars and the sky, and her daughter, Nephthys, the goddess of funerals. From China, Kuan Yin, the goddess of wisdom and purity, who had a thousand arms symbolizing her infinite compassion. And Maku, the feminine spirit of goodness in all people. From Hawaii, Pele, the goddess of volcanoes. From the Carolinas and Tennessee, Selu, the corn mother of the Cherokee. From Central America, Chicamacuatl, the Aztec goddess of nourishment. These goddesses were worshiped by both men and women. What goddesses would you call on for protection, guidance, and inspiration? today. Some are associated with our concepts of femininity like love and beauty, but then there's the Egyptian goddess of scorpions. How does that fit into our gender binary? It doesn't. Ancient female deities are diverse and multidimensional. They take us beyond the gender binary. They blow open our ideas of masculinity and femininity. They show us how gentleness can coexist with power and tenderness and mercy can coexist with anger and justice. 
Female deities and images of the divine show us a new way of relating to each other and to the universe. Many goddesses have a strength that does not sit well with the Victorian notion of the weaker sex. They are not confined to the private sphere or the 1950s notion of women's work. Hestia is the Greek goddess of the political realm who oversees town hall meetings and state affairs. Lakshmi is the Hindu goddess of wealth and prosperity. Kali is the Hindu goddess of time, death, and destruction. A fearsome figure, she wears a strand of skulls as a necklace, but protects those who pray to her with motherly love. Goddesses who are associated with motherhood are often portrayed as extremely powerful, even ferocious, like a mother bear or a lioness. In fact, there's long been a connection between the feline and the feminine divine. For those of you who have cats, you know they think they're gods. Stretch your mind back before people were watching cat videos on YouTube 5,000 years ago to the beginning of cat worship. The Egyptian cat goddess Bastet was the protector of the home. She routed out rats, preserving public health. A fierce defender who fought tooth and nail for those she loved, she was the guardian of women and children. She was also the protector of the pharaoh, as well as the chief male sun god, Ra. The cat goddess represents physical strength, selfless devotion to others, a willingness to fight for them, and the ability to protect them. One of the earliest representations of the mother goddess, Sybil, from 8,000 years ago, depicts her giving birth on her throne with her hands on two lionesses at her side. Reverence and awe for birth and creation seems to be where the initial impulse to worship comes from. A mother goddess figurine, the Venus of Willendorf, is the oldest carving in the world, dating back 30,000 years. Unitarian, Char Unitarian Charlotte Perkins Gilman wrote a book on his religion and hers. Because men were hunters and soldiers, she says, the main crisis in their life was death, and patriarchal religions tend to focus on what happens after death. For women, on the other hand, glory was in giving life, not in taking it. This poses an interesting question. What would a birth-centered religion look like? Gilman says it is much more in line with social progress and the common good. To the birth-based religion, she says, the main question is, what must be done for the child who is born? This gives itself to an immediate altruism. With birth, thought leads inevitably to that love and service, to defense and care and teaching, to all the labors that maintain and improve life. This love and labor extends outward in the widening range of family, state, and world. This is about understanding the world, the universe, as infused with a divine essence, which is not only masculine. I've always been told God is a man, when sometimes it feels like God is a woman. I prefer masculine pronouns for myself and feminine pronouns for God, because that helps balance things out. When I pray, I pray to the Divine Mother of the Universe. For the ancient Egyptians, the supreme being is the goddess Ma'at. She is truth, justice, balance, 
order, harmony, reality. In Hinduism, Shakti is the primordial cosmic energy that moves through the entire universe, responsible for creation and all change. Devi, the Sanskrit word for the feminine aspect of all that is holy, is where we get the word divine. Contemplating the feminine divine, a gentler, life-giving spirit that moves through the universe and through our hearts, allows me to experience infinite, unconditional love and channel this love in human relations. I'm talking about honoring the feminine in all of us. Femininity and masculinity live in all of us, and we embody so many qualities beyond the binary. On that note, I'd like to share an adaptation of a poem by Nancy R. Smith, written in 1973. For every girl who is tired of acting weak when she is strong, there is a boy tired of appearing strong when he feels vulnerable. For every boy who is burdened with the constant expectation of knowing everything, there is a girl tired of people not trusting her intelligence. For every girl who is tired of being called overly sensitive, there is a boy who fears to be gentle, to weep. For every girl who throws out her easy bake oven, there is a boy who wishes to find one. For every girl who takes a step toward liberation, there is a boy who finds the way to freedom a little easier. The world is in need of rebalancing the masculine and the feminine. Last summer, the Harvard Business Review featured an article on how feminine values can give tomorrow's leaders an edge. John Gerzema conducted a huge, huge study polling 64,000 people from around the world, from Europe to Asia to the Americas. The overwhelming majority said, the world would be a better place if men thought more like women. People associated male leadership with income disparity, high levels of unemployment, and political gridlock. People were then asked to classify over 100 human characteristics as masculine or feminine. It turns out, folks see feminine qualities as the ones that are essential to leading in an increasingly social, interdependent, and transparent world. In fact, eight out of the top 10 qualities for modern leaders are viewed as feminine, including being patient, flexible, intuition, intuitive, and collaborative. The good news, of course, is that these are simply human characteristics and we can all cultivate them, whatever our gender, for the good of the world and for the good of ourselves. What might it mean to invite more of the feminine divine into our spiritual lives? Let us give ourselves permission to experiment with different ways of being and reconnect with parts of ourselves we may have been told were less than sacred. Let us celebrate the feminine and masculine in ourselves and in the world. By appreciating all parts of ourselves and each other, we honor the feminine divine and contribute to, to a more peaceful and loving world. Let this day for peace and for the earth remind us to work for justice, equity, and compassion in human relations and the interdependent web of all existence. May the power of the sacred feminine 
in us. Direct us and sustain us and lead us to a better future. Amen. Blessed be. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.